Hello, and welcome to a special bonus episode of the Miranda Law Firm podcast, Investing Beyond Borders. The eyes of the world are on Glasgow, where the UN Climate Change Conference is ongoing, and critical aspects for the future of our planet are being discussed at the highest level. Miranda Alliance is present in Glasgow, and our ESG Impact Plus team has been talking to a number of important players and stakeholders about the importance of COP26 and other ESG-related matters. Today, our colleague Diana Teodoro talks to the partner of the Portuguese company Get2C, Pedro Martins Barata, who shares his insights on the challenges and opportunities of COP26 and some of the main issues in Portugal and Africa. Sit back, relax, and enjoy investing beyond borders. Diana, over to you. Pedro Martins Barata is a partner of Get2C, a Portuguese company with paramount experience in sustainability and climate change in different jurisdictions in Europe, Africa and South America. Get2C aims at supporting public and private entities in defining climate strategies, action and mitigation plans and accessing climate financing. Pedro has more than 20 years of experience in climate policy and carbon markets and, amongst others, was a member of the European delegation for the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change, vice president of the Executive Committee of the Clean Development Mechanism, member of the Climate Change Expert Group of OEDC and coordinator of the Portuguese Roadmap for Carbon Neutrality 2050. Hi, Pedro. What are Get2C's expectations for COP26? So we expect that uh, here at uh, COP26, we will finally have a push towards more ambitious commitments by all countries. Um, and in terms of, let's say, the technical details, what we will want is an agreement on the very last bit of the Paris Agreement framework that is still missing, which is the carbon markets piece. So two main outcomes, more ambition in terms of developed and developing countries' commitments, in terms of ambitions towards uh, 2030, in terms of emission reductions, and uh, a final framework for uh, international carbon markets. Do you expect relevant changes to the operation and or mobilization of financial resources to the Green Climate Fund? Not really. The Green Climate Fund is the main financial instrument of the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change, the UNFCCC. Um, it is, let's say, a very cumbersome mechanism, very much embedded in the United Nations uh, culture. And it has its mode of operations. Nothing really fundamental is expected in terms of changes to the way it's operated. But there is a push towards having more resources into the Green Climate Fund. In Portugal, what types of instruments are having a wider acceptance by economic operators for purposes of climate finance? Well, really, in terms of climate finance in Portugal, we need to distinguish between public climate finance and private climate finance. If we're looking at public climate finance, it's clear that most climate finance coming from the Portuguese state is channeled through the Environmental Fund, and it almost always comes in the form of grants. Um, if we're looking at private climate finance, then really what we're talking about in Portugal is green bonds. Uh, we've seen some of the largest corporations in Portugal 
Portugal uh, being very successful at issuing uh, green bonds and carbon-related bonds. Uh, but we're still very much in the infancy of uh, carbon finance and climate finance in Portugal. So there's still uh, very much a lot to do. And what are the major difficulties public and private organizations are facing for definition and implementation of climate strategies? So in Portugal, I would say the, the, the biggest uh, barriers to um, climate policy instruments is really um, the lack of finance and the lack of technological and technical resources uh, available. So uh, that's where a company like get to see comes in. We have the technical know-how to assist uh, both uh, local governments, uh, corporations in um, developing and kind of establishing their climate policies. Um, so I would say it's, it's for a country like Portugal, even though uh, much has already been made, uh, there's still an ongoing lack of knowledge and, and lack of know-how. The European Green Deal and the fifth for 55 package promised to revolutionize the European climate policy. Are we ready? I think we are. We are ready. If you look at the fifth for 55 package, the the level of ambition in the package itself, i.e., the 55% reduction uh, until 2030, is eminently achievable. It's not really a huge step since we are already locked into pretty close to 40 something percent reductions. In terms of the uh, level of ambition, therefore, I wouldn't say that it is a tremendously huge step. It is um, a very interesting framework because for the first time, it is much bigger than just the emission reductions. It is touching almost every single uh, aspect of sustainability, including things like the sustainable taxonomy, the alternative fuels directive, the farm to uh, plate uh, strategy for organic farming and, and food. So it's a much more comprehensive policy framework than Europe has ever had on issues of sustainability. Um, but I would say that in general, yes, we are ready in Europe for that uh, big step. It is going to be a massive undertaking because we need in the next two years to really approve um, a package of over 50 uh, different policy instruments. Africa is one of the most vulnerable continents to climate change and the most dependent on climate finance to meet the NDCs under the Paris Agreement. In your opinion, what mechanisms should be put in place to guarantee financing and implementation of the required climate action measures? Well, Africa has always had a lot of difficulty in both preparing and developing their, uh, let's say, climate policy instruments. Uh, clearly, in many uh, African governments' uh, policy agenda, climate is not a priority, and and rightly so. There are other development priorities. So the really important thing is to understand how we can develop a climate and development agenda for Africa that serves both the African interest in accelerating development, in providing public services, basic public service, access to energy, access to water across the continent, while still maintaining a an agenda for the climate. Now, internationally, there have been in the past attempts at doing so through uh, carbon market instruments like the Clean Development Mechanism. It hasn't worked to date, but there are many experiences and many projects right now that point towards a much bigger role for Africa in international carbon markets uh, through things like energy 
energy access related projects or water purification and other types of uh, technologies. So there is a role for Africa, but it is, as always with Africa, it's going to be very much a, a struggle to, to implement a lot of these, given the reality of the continent. Thanks, Diana. And thank you, Pedro, for sharing your thoughts with us in this first COP26-inspired bonus episode of Investing Beyond Borders. We hope you enjoy this content and found something to reflect about wherever you are. Over the coming days and weeks, we will be bringing you more news and content on Miranda's participation in COP26 and on the work being carried out by our ESG Impact Plus team. Stay tuned to this podcast, to our website and LinkedIn page, to hear more from us on these important issues. This podcast was brought to you by Miranda Law Firm. You can find out more about our worldwide activities and assistance to investors at www.mirandalawfirm.com. This episode was presented by Diana Teodoro from our Lisbon office and Luis Miranda from the Houston office. Technical support is provided by Catarina Moraes from our communications department. All content is subject to copyright and protected by law.